you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Hey everyone, this is Lisa with a special Thanksgiving message before we get into this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. It's the season of Black Friday and frantic holiday sales and preparation, but it's also my birthday season. I always like to take time to reflect at this time of year and count my blessings. If you are listening to this podcast, I'd want you to know that I'm grateful to each and every one of you. Thank you for being a listener, a guest, a student, a colleague, or a fellow lifetime learner. This podcast started as an experiment. Its success has been a thrill. While everyone else is holding Black Friday sales, I'd love to say thank you to all of you by offering a gratitude sale. If you are a professional who is considering adding to your tongue-tie education, this is a perfect time to enroll in the Professional's Guide to Tongue-Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant. Of course, with a deep discount to show my appreciation to my listeners. For the next week, it will be 50% off the regular price. That's now through Thanksgiving weekend. There's lots of details to check out, and the sale price, if you follow the link, tongue-tie-experts.net slash professional course. Oh, and I know this is a crazy, busy time of year, but you can sign up now and complete it after the holidays. You'll have access for a year once you sign up. Again, tongue-tie-experts.net slash professional course. The link is in the show notes. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for following and listening and sharing this podcast. And thank you for all you do for families. This week's podcast episode is a parent's story. It's from way back in season one, and it's an interview that happened on Instagram. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Today, I am starting my my plans. My goal is to get family stories out so families who listen to me will understand that they are not alone. Families who are going through what could be a trauma will hear stories of other families and what they've been through. 
And um, hopefully that will inspire uh, other people to keep following their instincts and fight for their kids. Hopefully, more importantly, it will inspire providers and practitioners to learn as much as they can to support families, to understand the issue of tongue tie, to dispel the myths. There's so many myths around tongue tie and get the facts out. So today I will be talking to someone whose story really touched me when she, you know, I get a lot of DMs and thank you so much for DMing me. I get lots of them, but Sarah, um, her story really touched me. Um, because it was, let's put it this way, and she'll tell you, she'll tell the story. But to me, it was an extreme, um, extreme outcome that probably could have been avoided if the professionals that Sarah took her baby to, number one, listened to her and had any awareness of the possible repercussions for tongue tie, right? So this is not just about breastfeeding and we don't learn about it in school. And mostly I have learned from all of you and I think other providers need to be open to that too. So let's let's see um, if Sarah is here. I think I saw her joined. Okay, here she comes. Hi. Hi, welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for being with me here today. And, Thank you for having me. And from the the um, people that are following, you know, listening to us today, I want to thank you in behalf of them because I I have a feeling that your story is going to touch a lot of hearts and affect a lot of people's ideas about tongue tie being just about breastfeeding and tongue tie being something that we can just live with or ignore or not need to learn about. Um, so thank you. Okay. So I guess on October 16th, 2014, I gave birth to my fourth child, my second daughter. Mm -hmm. And I breastfed her right away, you know, like I did with my other kids and she didn't breastfeed for long, but everything seemed fine. And during my time in the hospital, I, the nurses took a look, the pediatrician took a look. They said, this latch looks great. Looks like what we see in a textbook. And, and, and did it feel okay to you at that point or yes. did something feel to it felt yes. okay? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and that's what's very interesting about my whole story is that the latch looked and felt fine to me the whole time. It was just she wasn't gaining weight. But mm -hmm. so when she was when she was released, they noted a weight loss, but they didn't say too much about it. I mean, our family's not predisposed to having large uh, babies, so you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't they didn't really red flag it or anything. And then when I had her first visit with the pediatrician, I guess it was later that week, her weight was the same as discharge weight. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was at that point that the pediatrician said anything. She said, you know, come back for her two-week visit. So we came back so for the two-week visit. can I interrupt you? At that point, yes. when she was nursing, did you have any idea that it wasn't going well? Like, what would what would parents look out for um, that you might have been experiencing? Did she have good diaper output? I think so. I mean, this was seven years ago. Yeah, and, um, and this was your fourth baby. She was so my fourth, you know. Taking care of three kids yeah. at the same time, right? Exactly. And my mm -hmm. next youngest was only 20 months older. So Okay. Um, so you had your hands yeah. full. Yeah. Exactly. So I think at her two-week visit, she was still the same. And I think it was at that point that the pediatrician said, you know, you need to be doing both sides and 15 to 20 minutes. So I tried to go by that. Except those 15 to 20 minutes took 
an hour because she would fall asleep on the breast. Mm-hmm. That was really, and um, I had no nipple pain. You know, usually when people think tongue tie, they think chomped up nipples and mm-hmm. pain. I had none of that. And and with her. did did he advise you to see a lactation specialist, either a, um, a IBCLC um, or a counselor or anybody at that point? I don't remember. At some point, I was told to pump to see if it wasn't a supply issue. I know that's not necessarily a good litmus, right. litmus test, but I did pump, and I got I, – I forget but how much exactly, but I did make contact with a lactation consultant in the community, and she said this doesn't – you know, she, she clearly doesn't have enough energy. I don't care what they said about her lap looking normal. I mean, of course, she never laid eyes on my daughter at any point, mm-hmm. but um, she said this all to me over the phone you need to start supplementing. And she said, I told her how much I, cause I called her thinking it was a supply issue. Mm-hmm. And when I told her how much I pumped, she's like, no, that's a, that's, you know, that's, that's gold. That's a lot. I forget. how. So much in other was, words, but- you had milk, but she wasn't able to extract it. Exactly. And right. having to the hospital where I delivered um, has, well, with COVID now, I don't know what the current status is, but for a long time, they had a breastfeeding support group where, you know, you come with your baby and feed and, the lactation consultants from the hospital would be there and they could work with you. They had a skill. You could do a weighted feed. And she pretty much always transferred well. But when I would take her to the pediatrician, she wasn't gaining weight. But to backtrack a bit, when I spoke to this lactation consultant, she said, you need to supplement. And not with formula. She said, I'm pumping. I'm getting a lot. I should give her an extra ounce after each feeding. And then hopefully that will give her more energy and she will be able to be able to nurse better. Mm-hmm. So we did that and it, it worked. And then I don't know if it was at some point when I went to the breastfeeding group at the hospital, one of the lactation consultants said, you have your hands full. You don't need to supplement. She's fine. Oh, no. So I stopped. And, you know, unfortunately, I wish I had her whole weight chart in front of me, but I don't. No, it's um, okay. It's okay. It's enough. Yes, to get. But so she started, it sounds like she so, started then, doing okay. And then she and slid then started, down again. Yeah. And then I started mm-hmm. supplementing again. I was, and I was supplementing and I was feeding her like very strictly like, I think eight times in 24 hours. And the answer was something else. Was, she starts sleeping through the night at like a month old. Mm-hmm. Much earlier. My Happened to me. My other kids all start sleeping through the night around maybe two months. She starts sleeping through the night very early, which a lot of people think, oh, great. You know, that must be wonderful for you. But yes, I had to get eight feedings in, in about right. less than 12 hours. Right. And not only that, but she might have been sleeping because she wasn't yeah. driving at that point. Exactly. I hate to use that word. Um, yeah. But. She wasn't, she was hanging on okay, but she wasn't thriving to her full capacity. And a lot of babies shut down. Like they just yes. like, oh, I might as well sleep. And they're happy to be in that state of not getting quite as much exactly. as they need. Exactly. So, but she was meeting all her other developmental milestones. Um, she smiled on time, all that stuff. And then I would go to this support group, the group at the hospital most weeks, and I would just weigh her there and be able to track her weight gain. And... I remember at some point she was not gaining so much. I know she wasn't gaining not even an ounce or maybe a few ounces. And can no, I ask but... you a question? During all this yeah. point, were you suspecting that something was wrong with her? Were you starting to research and learning about tongue tie and thinking it was a possibility? Not really. Interestingly, and I have not told you this. Okay. I knew a little bit about tongue tie because this is actually, this could be a whole nother, a whole nother, <laughs> and a whole nother. My, I have four kids. So my oldest is 14. My Next is 11. My, then my next daughter's turning not as like turning nine. And then my, and my, the daughter. Who I'm talking about is now seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So my so my 11-year-old, he was, his weight gain was fine, but he was chomping my nipples. He needed to nurse all the time. He was not a good sleeper, but he gained weight. So at mm-hmm. that point in time, I did meet with a lactation consultant. And granted, he's 11, so this was, this was that long ago. She said, I don't think she used the word tongue tie. Mm-hmm. She said he has a short front, a short, a short frenum, mm-hmm. but he'll grow and it'll get bigger. Mm. I mean, eventually it did stop hurting. Right. Yeah. You know, he's the jury's out on him. Maybe I'll, you know, he's 11 and his at his age. I don't want I don't want to talk about him too much because that's not why we're here. But, it, right. you know, there's just. But you know what? It's interesting because this is one family with two completely different presentations. Mm-hmm. Right. And then. Yeah, my oldest, the jury's kind of out at him. He did have some painful breastfeeding, some other things, but he happens to be, he has hearing loss, and so we were dealing a lot with that. Okay. So he has cochlear implants, so we were dealing a lot with that. And yeah, um, and then my nine-year, my daughter's, well, her birthday's next week, she's nine. Interestingly with her, she, the breastfeeding was painful maybe for the first couple of days, but she just breastfed every four hours like clockwork. She was fine, and that, and, but, but, you know, she definitely had some myofunctional issues. She, sucked her thumb for a while i mean and interestingly when i early when i forgot how she was we were at the dentist the dentist was like oh she has a thick lip friend and i'm like oh oh i and at that point this was actually after right i so you knew about this with my younger daughter so you know she she does seem to have thick frenum on her lip and tongue it does not appear to be causing any functional issues we're actually doing expansion with myself her and my daughter and my other daughter right now and the, the the dentist we're working with said, "Let's see how expansion goes, and then we'll see what we need to do." Because mm-hmm. so anyway, um, so Betty, getting back to your baby, at what point did it become an urgent issue where you knew um, that something had to be done differently? Well, when I realized that she was just not gaining very much, I called her pediatrician, and she said, "This doesn't sound. You need to be giving her more from a bottle. There's just no way that she's feeding this much." And I she was for a while like maybe last feeding of the day I'd be like yay we're done and then she would throw up mm-hmm. that did stop and that's like now i don't remember if this was before or after i think it was after when she was around six weeks old i reached out to a private lactation consultant to do a visit with her and she didn't really look at my daughter's mouth that much i explained to her you know sometimes she falls asleep at the breast she's very slow she's not gaining weight i don't really know it was you know very vague symptoms so she did suggest the possibility of a tongue tie but she didn't really like you know Look at the time. So she suggested a particular ENT in the area. I had heard of him. Um, so I went to him, I guess, the following week. And he said, he said she didn't have a tongue tie. But she did have a lip tie. But lip ties don't affect bre- affect breastfeeding. But I, I want to release it because it, ga- ca- it might cause a gap in her teeth. And I said, um, I need to think about it. Mm-hmm. So, and but, I, you know, I never went back to it. So I was just, you know, back and forth with my pediatrician. We were doing weight checks. I did, when she told me to pick up more about giving, I was pumping and giving her more in bottles. At the beginning it worked. And she was like, oh, this is great. Just keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, but I'm feeding her all the time and doing yeah. you know, what they call the triple feeds or, you know, sometimes I'd give her a yeah. bottle and then nurse her to make sure she was getting enough. And I also started to notice when we were doing the triple feeds and just giving her one ounce, maybe two, you know, earlier on, it was okay. But, you know, once she got to one and a half, two ounces, it was just like she got tired. She just like it was just like she couldn't do it anymore. It was just like right. so she couldn't take the volume that she was expected exactly. to take at, at her exactly. age. So I wanted to. I just want to interrupt and explain to people Sorry. who don't know what triple feeding is. 
Triple feeding is, first of all, it's supposed to be just an intervention of short term. Exactly. It's, it's not a feeding. I never, ever, ever tell somebody to triple feed for more than three days, four days, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because it's unsustainable. Because your quality of life matters, too. And <laughs> if the triple feeding, meaning mm-hmm. pumping, bottle feeding, and putting the baby to the breast, if the triple feeding isn't doing its work in those in that short time, then something else is going on and we have to, we have to change our plan. So what you went through, hopefully, well, a lot of people are still being prescribed to triple feed by people who have no idea what they're telling them to do, you know, and it's not really sustainable. So I'm sorry that you had to, you know, have that struggle and still nobody was giving you the answer of, well, why isn't this baby? Why can't she handle the flow? Why can't she handle the volume? Why is she getting tired? What's going on for her? So when did you finally get an answer? You had to hit rock bottom first, right? Yeah. So then after this visit where things seemed to be looking better, I went, we went back for, I figured it was like a regular checkup or a weight check. Her weight gain had slowed down. And I said to the pediatrician, I said to her, look, I am doing nothing all day, but feed her. And she said, well, you know, you're not, you know, basically our family is not so large, you know, based on our genetics, you know, I, I, just keep doing what you're doing. And if she stays on a curve, uh, you know, then fine. Um, and then I don't know if I saw her, I just, she, the pediatrician was, she herself was pregnant and by her, the fourth month checkup is actually, I had her fourth month, my, this daughter's fourth month checkup with together with my other daughter's two year checkup. She was out and we actually had to reschedule it for like a week later with the nurse, with a nurse practitioner. And I don't know if it was, at, I think it was at that visit. I mean, I had mentioned that she, she was throwing up and she stopped, but she was, she wasn't spitting up a ton, but she was spitting up more than my other kids did. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, I think she has reflux. And I was thinking, this just doesn't sound like reflux. Mm-hmm. And she prescribed reflux medicine. Um, so she was put on then, medication at that point. Yes. Okay. Um, and then I think I, I forget based on what I followed up with this nurse practitioner and she said, okay, you need to see it. You need to see it. GI, pediatric gastroenterologist. It happened to be at uh, Johns Hopkins. I live in Baltimore, Maryland, and at Johns Hopkins at that time there was a I, um, a GI who actually specialized in infant feeding issues. Um, I called and tried to get an appointment with her. She was booked out months in advance. I mean, she happens to be she's mm-hmm. she's out of state. She's not even there anymore. But um, and you know, who knows if she would have picked up on this? But they're like, oh, but this one has a, has an opening next week, and I said, okay, fine. So. And actually, by this point, I should also mention I had been in touch with my pediatrician and with, and then later with the nurse practitioner. Is that this, these triple feeds? My daughter just stopped, started rejecting bottles altogether. I was trying oh, different no. nipples. The pediatrician, the pediatrician suggested trying different nipples. Yes, because she would, because um, I was trying using the, the Medela nipples because that was just easy because that my pump and the containers so I could just feed so them you, right away. Yeah, you had quite so quite a journey and quite yeah. a job. Okay, so now we're talking of she's like four months old and she's refusing bottles. Yeah, so about, Mm -hmm. and I guess she was probably around five months when we went to the GI. And the GI said, you know, I'm a proponent of breastfeeding. You know, why don't you, um, she suggested that I add, um, you know, some powder, some some formula to her to fortify her bottles with, with formula to give her some extra calories. And I was like, but she doesn't take bottles. How's this, how's this going to happen? And I was like, I'll just keep trying. And I had said, I had tried, um, you know, I used play text drop-ins with my other kids, even though I breast them, bred them primarily when I had to give them the bottle, we generally would use play text drop-ins. So I tried those. 
she didn't like she like she maybe took it the first time and then she stopped. I even tried the Como Tomo Tomo bottles. I don't know if they make those anymore. Um, she didn't really go for those either. And um, and also because my daughter also had, I mean, you know, this this was probably interestingly her lack of nutrition never seemed to affect her development. But I guess this is why she had a very nasty cradle cap. I mean, like like her skin was almost coming off. Like you could see like. It was like, and she had like, well, what was said to be eczema. I'm not convinced that it was really eczema, mm-hmm. but she had her skin was totally thin out. So she might have had some food so intolerances going on at the exactly. same time. Well, I, I don't know. That's what yeah. this this GI said. Avoid dairy and soy. If you try some, you know, we'll. She changed that. Yeah, she changed the dosage on the medicine. You know, give her um, you know, put some put some nutramigen in her um. That's you know very sensitive form some yeah. sensitive formula. I mean more sensitive ones in her in her bottles and get back to me in two weeks. So I think she gained a little bit of weight. She lost a little bit of weight. Anyway, I the only time I was ever able to get her to take a bottle was she was basically asleep. I got mm-hmm. her to take a little bit, but, and if, but at this time she would still come on your breast. Yes, exactly. She you know she she wanted she wanted my breast. You know, she mm-hmm. was pretty young. But why she wasn't gaining weight, we weren't sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, um, and then I guess when I then I I got back to her about two weeks later, I said that her weight had gone up. She lost a little bit of weight, so it was pretty much about the same as it had been at that first visit. And then she called me and said she needs a supplemental feeding tube. She needs to come to the hospital. Um, I'm sorry. And so, yeah, that was. And then I guess that was. A, guess that was a Tuesday and we went in late Wednesday like late Wednesday afternoon and we were there until Friday um she you know she was able to gain weight with the she had an NG tube she was able to gain weight I did mm-hmm. kind of ask you know why is why why can't she take it orally they're like ah we don't know we're just trying to see if her I mean her um her you know if her digestive system is intact I was well what can you test her for allergies allergies are like we don't test at that age yeah, I'm like well mm-hmm. celiac as a friend did suggest that they were like, nah, it's hard. I mean, having to be the nurses were, I mean, the, the nurses were like a, treated us very well. So I can't really, you know, I don't can't say I had a bad experience in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at this one, I kind of was in G, I was dealing mostly with G. I started thinking about the tongue, they're thinking about the stomach. Right, right. And, you know, they did actually ask if I wanted to meet with their lactation consultant. I said, sure, why not? But I never saw her. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe that was her the best. Who knows? And, so when they discharged us, they gave me instructions for how to, you know, maintain and change the NG as needed. And they said they would, they have, Johns Hopkins has a nice home health system. They had a pediatric OT. They said, well, send an OT to your house to help work with her on taking bottles again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're very nice. I They were really a pleasure to deal with. Um, and then, so sometimes I would go, so I would go to the pediatrician for weight checks. I kept going to the breastfeeding group. She was gaining. Um, what I was supposed to do was try to give her five ounces from a bottle and then whatever she didn't take, put through the tube. And then I was supposed to give her, you know, continuous feed overnight. Uh-huh. Um, and, and how long did she have the tube in for? A total of about three months. I think. Wow. Yeah. Three okay. months from, yeah. She went to the hospital on April 1st and she pulled out her feeding tube for the last time on July 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, why I remember that. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> and so, but I was just, I, you know, I didn't want to deal with the tube. I was like, it's taking her an awfully long time to 
fin- uh, finish five, five ounces. It was taking her an hour to finish five ounces. And I was, I would do different things. I would rewarm it. I would try to minimize distractions. I had my other kids around. It was really not so simple, but um, it would just take her an hour, often take her an hour to finish a bottle, except for when we were having our uh, evaluation. Hopkins pretty much in a situation in which they automatically re- refer us to infants and toddlers. In New York, it's what they call early intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, um, and, you know, she, she didn't qualify. She was, but it happened to be, cause, I mean, she was really like, in terms of her physical development, everything else, she was like, right. So now you've part. seen how many, Targets how many different at evaluations she happened to finish up. She happened to polish off a bottle in 15 minutes at the, at her evaluation, wow. but never, she never did that again. Right. Um, so finally I said, this is like, you know, I feel like this is just a holding pattern. No one's telling me. We don't know why I, you know, what, what's, what's, what's going to happen. So I had heard about a feeding therapist in our area um, who people really liked. And I thought, well, let me try calling her. Mm-hmm. So it took a couple of tries to get through to her. I think this was by the end of May or beginning of June. And it took me a few times. You know, I got through to her finally. And I was giving her my daughter's entire history on the phone. And she stopped me in the middle and said, have you ever checked for a tongue tie? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yes, Dr. So-and-so said she didn't have one. Mm-hmm. And then she had a lip tie, but lip ties don't affect breastfeeding. She said, well, everything you're describing is consistent with tongue tie. And you need to get a second opinion, like ASAP. Because right. she's developing oral aversion. She's, they're probably going to try to start suggesting a G-tube. You know, right. um, so, you know, um, she explains that, you know, that, that, that tongue ties could cause reflux because they're taking in air. Exactly. Oh, and, and, and also, I forgot to mention, we, had, we did get the go-ahead from our pediatrician, well, from the nurse practitioner, because the pediatrician was still on maternity, to try solids. She seemed like she wanted them, but she just couldn't swallow them. Like, she would just right. gag it right. or spit it out. So, that, so she that's, said, that's probably that's, why she's having a hard time with solids. Yeah. yeah, and that's on the way to oral aversion, because a kid who has exactly. a hard time protecting their airway when they're eating doesn't want to eat. Right. Exactly. It's dangerous for them. It feels scary. And so many kids get labeled as picky eaters or fussy Mm -hmm. or behavioral disorders when it's really that they're afraid to eat because they're afraid they're going to aspirate. They, you know, they're afraid they're going to choke because they can't control the way that bolus of food gets sent down to where it's got to go and get swallowed. Yeah. Cause then so so how old were you? How old was the baby when you? had the diagnosis of tongue tie she was about seven and a half months seven and a half months wow almost eight but and the thing with solids that i it's like there's so much that like went on that i don't always remember it all in one fell swoop but i did was in touch with the gi and i said you know she wasn't taking rice cereal so well she's like you know you don't have to start with rice cereal you know just go to purees you know i tried that it was the same thing and um so but anyway so that was a friday when i spoke to this feeding therapist i um, there was, I asked if I should go to a particular pediatric dentist who I had heard about and she mm-hmm. said, yes. And she, like, as soon as she got with me, she texted me his information. I called, I got an appointment for the following Thursday. And then on Monday, they called that Monday, they called and said, we have a cancellation. Can you come today? And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not going to say it was magic. It did not. We still had feeding therapy for a few months. She still had the tube for another month. Her weight still went up and down a little bit. You know, we had to work with her. Re- I was worried about reattachment. I went back to the dentist he said everything was fine it seemed like the issue was we were trying to wean her off the the um reflux medicine a little too soon and um mm-hmm. and but i and um you know body work as we now 
their body work is more readily available in our area. At that point, it wasn't so much. Right. So yeah, body work. I so, really wish so we had. What, but. Yeah, what I'm hearing from you is, and and this is typical. The later that the therapies start, mm-hmm. the harder it is for the baby to get back on track where they should be because yeah. now she had been doing a certain thing with her tongue and her posture and everything exactly. for all these months. Right. And so the exactly. longer that goes on, the harder it is to mm-hmm. go back. I get so many questions from, from parents who say to me, it's too late. Right. And, and my answer is it's never too late. I had my tongue tie released after I was 50. I had mine released so, this past summer. Right. So it's never too late. You just have to think about yeah. The work around it being increased before and after um, in order to get the results. And now we do more than we did seven years ago with pre-body work and things like that. Exactly. But we didn't even have, like I said, it was, in our case, it was kind of an emergency. I wish, you know, I, I mean, we had to do it when we did. I I really do wish that we could have had some sort of functional assessment beforehand to get baselines because that, that, that is tough. Um, She definitely, you know, can I say, do I know for, you know, actual breastfeeding got better post-release i'm not sure but i can tell you she she did shortly after take off the solids okay great so she did what she needed to do for her age which is exactly what function is exactly and this feeding interesting this feeding therapist said that there were things that you know because i had been told oh she has a high palate that's what Mm -hmm. lactation consultants at the hospital group said oh she does have a high palate i didn't know that a tongue tie causes that but this feeding therapist you know, when she worked with us at post-release, she explained all that to me, the how it can. And she said, there are things you can do, but she's kind of getting, she's kind of at the end of the age range where it can Aww. be done. Like I, to lower the palate, like, I don't right. know. I and that's not true either. We know that. <laughs> now you know that. I mean, right? well, I mean, I'm saying the way she, I mean, I'm saying in terms of like, what, like sticking her finger in her mouth or something that would create normal, right. in terms of that, is right. it like, it was kind of, she was kind of getting too old for that. I mean, she's, right. yes, now she. She sleeps in a Schwartz appliance, which getting her to keep it in is, uh, you know, she's been better the last few days. So, so the, the good news is that she doesn't have a tongue tie. She gained weight. She's good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so what, well, what, yeah. what message would you like to say to parents who are having struggle with weight gain for their babies? What message would you, what would you have wanted to tell you while this was going on? If somebody could have spoken to you and said, Sarah, this is what you need to know, what would it have been? Um, I guess that <laughs> a tough question. Um, I mean, obviously, I wish someone had told me that weight gain could be a sign of tongue tie, because usually when we hear tongue tie, we hear about pain and nipples and, mm-hmm. and nipple damage and painful latch. And I, but I wish that, um, you know, it seems like the medical community, I mean, again, this is the feeding therapist said this, um, is more focused on the number on the scale than about why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's great when, you know, yes, the barometer, it seems that the barometer of a baby's health is their weight gain. But, um, and, you know, there is some truth to the Fed is best mentality, but I that is, I, I said that I have said this. That is the problem. The where it falls short is that is not best if it is she. It is masking us from figuring out what an issue is in the first place. Right, right. So, so yeah. what what you're saying is what I often say is, you know, we can 
put band-aids on the problems, but if we don't find out what the problem is, then you're not solving the problem. You're just pushing it down the road. Exactly. You're just like what I, what I compare to is that you don't, if someone has, if someone suspects someone has a broken femur, you don't tell them take Tylenol and call me in the morning. You don't put a band-aid on a broken femur. Right. You have to. Right. And what I would like to say hearing your story, the message is that the parents experience matters. Yes. Right. And nobody was listening to your experience. Here you are a mother of four taking care of a, a medically fragile baby at this point, trying to balance your other kids, doing everything you could for this baby. And it still was like you were knocking your head against the wall because things weren't improving no matter exactly. what you did, but you shouldn't exactly. be the one responsible for it. So as medical providers, as healthcare providers, as anybody who, who takes care of moms and babies or pregnant people or kids in the first year, we should all be aware of this, all the signs and symptoms and be aware of the parent's experience as part of the assessment. Yes. And this ENT and Abner, this ENT, before he, I don't really know how much he looked in my daughter's mouth, but, um, but he, you know, I don't like to say that he didn't look hard because I don't really remember, right, but I right. do remember that the dentist spent more time than, you know, yeah. can I say he didn't touch the tongue? I don't remember, but he didn't, right. I don't remember. Looking for him. But he, but you know what? He, he tried to explain to me, he tried to explain to me how tongue ties affect breastfeeding. And I was like, you're not describing my daughter at all. Right. And not only that, you wouldn't want the ENT who didn't think that a lip tie mattered or didn't. understand that there might be a tongue tie you don't want them doing it you don't want to talk anybody my feeding the feeding therapist said oh he has a history of this and seven years later people are still right people like lactation consultants and pediatricians are still sending people to him and there are some ents that know what they're doing i don't want to bash any but but i'm a big fan of dr harry i read i was reading his i was actually this whole time i was kind of reading up on his stuff and i was like "Eh, you know yeah yeah. so dr kahari there are others so it's not it's not that we're we're not against yes ents but there are certain you know in general the best Mm -hmm. provider to go to is a pediatric dentist but before that your lactation consultants failed you as well and I, I apologize for my profession. And I spend most of my life trying to educate lactation consultants so that this doesn't happen. Because yeah, that, we don't learn about have, this in school. It's not yeah, our fault and, that we don't yeah. we don't learn about this in school. As a nurse, as a midwife, and as a lactation consultant, I learned this much about tongue tie, and it was about the anterior in the front tongue tie. It wasn't about, it wasn't posterior tongue tie. It wasn't anything yeah. about how the function was with breastfeeding. So, um, you know. And it happens to be at the hospital where when I would, after my daughter had her release and I was still going to the to the breastfeeding support group at the hospital, I mean, mainly to get her, it was really mainly for the purposes of weight, but, um, but getting her weighed. But um, they would have, PD, they would have pediatric residents helping out. And when I would go after the release, one of the lactation consultants said on at least one, maybe two occasions, she said, she told the resident, sit down and she, you know, told the resident to me to tell the residents my story, Right. how much it'll help, you know, has it shaped them? Can I say that it helped them? I, you know, it can, I, it can know, hurt. I don't and that's, I, I that's, don't know. Yeah. That's one of the Do reasons why I was, ha- I wanted to discuss this with you yeah. today because, you know, us professionals can talk to us all we want. If we don't hear yeah. the experience of families, we're not going to really learn. 
So, Sarah, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I guess just to also say that um, in the end, my pediatrician happens to be, she left, she, like I have to have news like right at the beginning of COVID, she left the practice, the practice, but she really, I have to say that, you know, is she, you know, talking about tongue ties with her patients at her new practice? I don't know. But she, and, and I didn't just, you know, I, she wasn't dismissive. I, she's not like the horror stories you, she didn't say anything that bad, bad about tongue tie. She didn't say, oh, it's not a tongue tie. She, at the, in the end, she was willing to admit that she really didn't know and she didn't realize. And she really, at, in the end, when she saw that my daughter was, you know, when she came back from maternity leave and my daughter's was picking up, she said, whatever you did clearly worked. And, you know, mm-hmm. good for you. For, good for you for, you know, for, for seeking all that out yourself. Right. You know, that's why I say a good, a good pediatrician is not one that's going to have all the answers. A good pediatrician is one that respects you as the parent and is willing, is it, you know, cares more about your child than their ego. I love that. I mean, there are many wonderful people. There are many wonderful pediatricians out there, but she respected me and she respected me for, I mean, I didn't, I I remember the day I was going to the pediatricist. I just called and left a message said, Oh, by the way, I'm taking my daughter to have her tongue released today. And she, you know, she, you know, I've heard some stories that even afterwards, Peterson's like, nah, it wasn't the tongue tie. It just, you know, it's just timing. Right. It's the elimination diet. It's this, it's that. But she said she really feels that the, the, the tongue tie, but releasing the tongue and lip tie made a difference for my daughter. Well, I'm glad that your story had a happy ending. And, you know, I wish you and your daughter well. And thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.